everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pilgrim Devotion. I am your host, Michael Howard, the senior pastor of Seaford Baptist Church. And I'm so glad that you're back with us. This is a podcast for anyone inside or outside of Seaford Baptist Church who is living the pilgrim life, representing the kingdom of God in the kingdom of man. And we're picking up where we left off last week. Uh, we are at uh, my old pastor, Jeff Beard's house. And really, I don't mean old like your age. I mean old like you used to be my pastor. Uh, he gave me a look. Uh, <laughs> and my friend Kenny Van Horn, Pastor Kenny Van Horn, and the three of us, uh, we did introductions last week, so you can go back and listen to part one if you want the bios. We're jumping in right where we left off. We were talking about Puritans and getting those into the hands of church members today and who is writing today that's good. And we're really just talking about books and just talking. So uh, we're going to get right back into it. And you were talking about Brooks. What are your favorite Thomas Brooks uh, well, books? Well, I, I, I just have his full volumes. Okay. So I don't have like individual books. I have the complete works of Brooks, uh, John Flavel, and... Put out by Reformation Heritage? No. Um, you know, no. I, I, honestly, because, you have those are so old. No, they're, those are paper. Okay. And I bought them used mm. back in the early 90s from another pastor. Uh, and so I don't even know who... What, what were we doing back when Jeff Beard was buying used Puritan books? I was watching Ninja Turtles. I'm wearing a Ninja Turtles shirt as we speak, so that's what I was doing. So uh, the complete... works of Leonardo. <laughs> Michelangelo. So, Tom, so Thomas Brooks, and I, the, where I started with him uh, in one of the volumes was on prayer, because I love prayer. You, you guys know that. And, and I just want to learn as much about prayer. And, and so he has... Um, you know how the Puritans, they take a subject and they just go with it. They want to drain it, so to speak. Yes. Everything. A sweet. verse. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, Richard Sibbs wrote the Bruce Reed on a verse. <laughs> it's like, this thing never ends, you know? <laughs> right? Uh, and but uh, So he covers this. And, and Brooks on Prayer is Matthew 6.6, 6, okay. which is a, a verse that I could probably preach you know, a whole year on, and where Jesus said, you know, go to the secret place, meet the Father in this in your private seat. So he had, he goes on, I mean, chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters on that verse, yeah. But just covering it from all this stuff, and um, yeah, it it really shaped and guide my personal prayer time. I just got done with Bunyan's prayer. You, you checked oh, that out before? Yes, and his definition of prayer, right? Yes, which I don't have it with me. Uh, I don't, and I don't have it memorized either. But it's how because that's how he started the book. Uh, it's not a short. That's not a. Well, it's a little bit of a longer book. It's right around two. It's up yeah, near two hundred pages. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I read that. What struck me most about that that book for me was probably more the theology behind prayer as opposed to the practice of it for me. Uh, because he really takes time. I mean, he spends most of his time yeah, in Hebrews, he and he's spending time at Jesus is the throne of grace, uh, and you must you must go with him to the throne of grace. He is the throne of grace, but he's also the high priest who's taking you to the throne of grace. He's, he's he's all of it, right? And you have to walk with him through his blood. You know, you wade with him through his blood to get to the throne of grace. 
He, my favorite way to explain the gospel right now to someone is the robe of righteousness and how, because Bunyan says with every act of obedience, Jesus was weaving the, the robe of, the, he was taking the law of Moses and weaving a, a robe of righteousness. Mm. And then he takes that robe and he gives it to you. And he puts on your nasty, sinful rags. Isn't that rags. a beautiful picture? Right, dies on the cross. And then every time you go in to pray, you're wearing the robe of righteousness, you know? That's how you're able to come before the Father. There's, there's, there's a creativity in it just that they had, just in, ex, like, explaining that, I, that I think we don't get as much anymore today. We don't hear that as much anymore. Yes, that, so I think yeah. that's where it is. And that's just the thing I preach about. Pictures, yeah. I, I preach about. That's the thing I appreciate. You mentioned Jared Wilson in, the, in last week's episode, which is something that was really 10 minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, we're really messing with time here because this is going to air <laughs> like two, two to three weeks yeah, from yeah. now, but we're talking about things. Yeah, so, no, I, um, Wilson doesn't mind being poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gospel, what was that book? It has like, like blue waves on it. The Imperfect Disciple. The Imperfect Disciple. He's very, very poetic throughout that whole oh, book. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I feel like people are scared to write through it. Love- that book has like a rhythm to it. He, 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 he's hitting on this theme and he kind of like there's a re- repetitive nature and a rhythm of as he's like articulating his points. When I believe that John Piper, for a long time, stood out to all of us, we were like, "This guy's just so different. He's so mm-hmm. different." What's because you talk about Thomas Brooks being a pastor to you, uh, Jonathan Edwards? You know, Piper's been very vocal about how Edwards mm. is his pastor, his dead pastor. I mean, he loves Jonathan Edwards. He's written about him, spoken about him so much, and Edwards has influenced him so much that I think Piper, he writes the way that Edwards may write if Edwards was preaching in the 1980s, 90s, 2000s. I think Piper looks and acts a lot like a modern-day Puritan. I mean, we didn't get to hear these men preach. But did they preach like John Piper? (laughs) Passionately. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I know... um, Real to them. I love the story of Goodwin hearing, uh, I believe it's John Rogers, not William Tyndale's friend, but the Puritan John Rogers who came along like yeah. 100 years later, uh-huh. preaching about, you know, we're going to, God's going to take the Bible from you, England, because, you know, you don't love it. That great, yeah. And yeah. Goodwin talking about leaving, and, and, and he's like getting on his knees during the sermon and stuff, you know, yeah. it's very theatrical, and Goodwin leaving, he... Uh, He's getting on his horse. He's getting on his horse, and, and he, he, he can't even he can't, can't even ride. He's just crying. He's just weeping and weeping. Yeah, Thomas Goodwin. Yeah, you know, is, is broken. Who, who now we're reading and going, wow, you know, and but that's where it is. Uh, I, and so another, I'll throw another name, Thomas Manton. Okay, I haven't, I haven't done any Thomas Manton. Okay, I shouldn't have said that then, shouldn't I? I should not have. So where is he on? Where, from from if Watson is over here and Owen's over here and scale. So what what I wanted to say about Manton is I haven't read a lot, but Spurgeon actually had mentioned Manton and his exposit, uh, exposition. Excuse me of Psalm one nineteen. So Psalm one nineteen is like the center center of my Bible. My and we, well, that's a whole other thing to talk about, but. So I, I, I eat, drink, and sleep, Psalm 119. And Spurgeon, reading Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, says, I love his uh, I metaphors. I thought you were about Dave Spurgeon. 
Oh no, Charles. Charles. <laughs> Hello. And he did have a brother who pastored with him, but I can't remember his name at this moment. So, so of course, that makes me want to. I, I didn't have any men, so that makes me want to go look at who this Puritan was. And yeah. So now reading it, Thomas Mann, another great Puritan, and he uses a lot of illustrative um, metaphors and pictures and things like that, which is great. If you want to start, so I actually do, I don't have a Manton book, I have a Spurgeon book. So if you want to just get a taste of Thomas Manton, the Flowers from Puritan's Prayer Garden is just a book of Manton's Proverbs, basically. Okay. That I, 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 Spurgeon went through and just got like every short, pithy quote of Thomas Manton that he loved, and he just put it in a book, and it's organized by topics. Okay, I, I don't have that one, but that sounds, yes, Manton... I can see Matt and just he being able to take his his pieces and put them in a book because that's he, how Matt is. You're going, wow, he said that perfectly. Yeah, that. So he um, he was Spurgeon's favorite Puritan, and that is that you can get the Banner of Truth Puritan paperback for seven or eight bucks on Amazon as we speak, and that is a. That's a book you could just keep with you in your car and when you have a spare moment before heading into work or during your lunch break or whatever, just pull it out and read a few. Or you can go on Logos and buy the whole works of Thomas Mann. Yes, you could do that. <laughs> I, so, you know, uh, Reformation Heritage is putting out the Some complete works. Some of sponsored by Logos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so they're putting out the complete works of Watson from 2025 yes. to 2028. And I, I want to... Get the all of the Watson Puritan paperbacks, but now I'm looking at that and I'm like, boy, I think I'm. But, but I I don't. See, here's my thing. They're huge. Yes, they are. You're gonna sit around reading. It's like reading yeah. an encyclopedia. Yeah, they are. So it's like six volumes, Thomas Brooks. I think five volumes, Flavel. And so, at what point are we just like buying trophies for our shelves? You know what I mean? Because are you really gonna read in that format? You're gonna sit and read the big encyclopedia. I know for me. That's not typically how I like to hold a book. No, I don't do it that way. But I will look through, and what I'll and I'll say that subject I'm going to read, and it may be all the way to volume four. And you know, I've jumped all the way to because that's on my mind right now. When they have sermons, I saw there's going to be sermons in this Watson collection that you're not getting anywhere else. That they've taken. Um, I don't know, Dustin Binge. How do you say his last name? Oh. I said Bingy, but that's probably wrong. What, however you say this man's name, yeah. uh, he is gone, he's the one who's edited, edited it and updated it, the language and all of that sort of thing. So that, that work he's done in those sermons is going to be unique to that collection. I would like to get it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. 2025 is a little ways away. So uh, You mentioned uh, a moment ago Psalm 119. So uh, longest chapter in the Bible and the longest psalm. It's one, it's prayer. Right. It's just, it's nothing but prayer. It's broken down into 22 segments of eight verses each, acrostic. Uh, you could say, I don't know if that's the word, it's for the Hebrew alphabet. Yeah, yeah. So, that's the right word. Uh, I would say, what are we at, 2023 20, now? Going, go back to 1990s. I started redoing that. Is part of my morning prayer. You Again, what were days. we doing back? We're just we started <laughs> praying <laughs> through Psalm one nineteen. So you're saying you would take so if it's uh, you just started 
Yeah, you and, know, and you chapter, go to the uh, Bible I'm in, or verse the one through Bible eight. before that I wore out, you would have, you would find one, two, three, four. So every day, first day of the month, I'm on those eight verses. Mm. Gotcha. And I'm praying those. Mm. And then this next eight verses, and it goes all the way to 22, the 22nd day of the month. Well, then I'm a sinner, you know, for those last, that last week. Right, I, right. Uh, You're a sheep I'm, out in the wilderness yeah, and you need to be rescued. Really. So but, um, after Well, after being confronted with God's law for 175 verses, how yeah. could you not be? But it is beautiful because in Psalm 119, the gospel is there. The gospel of grace yes. is there. Yes. And yes, it convicts me, but it also shows me Christ. And, and the, so That was our sermon series this summer. Was Psalm the unfolding of his word you know, uh, gives life to the simple. And, you know, one of the, something... That's real popular here. People say, a preacher say, we're going to unpack. Mm -hmm. I say unfold mm -hmm. because I'm a one Psalm 119 guy because that's what it says, the unfolding of your word. Mm -hmm. and so it sounds kind of, it's just choice of words. But after you, you're reading stuff, the same thing year, month after month, and then year after year, and then decade after decade, you start talking that way. And I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So Scripture I would say, you wonder, well, what do I pray? So get out your Bible, start numbering those out. They're already uh, segregated, split out, all 22 of them, and you know, start numbering and just numbering. So that day of the week, even if you miss a day or three days, go to that number, those, and pray them with your heart. And you've got to also understand that uh, Hebrew word law uh, and understanding what that meant. It didn't necessarily mean the Ten Commandments, right? Or uh, precepts. And, and, um, but you read them, and they will. They'll start getting into your heart. And I don't have any of my physical Bibles here, but next thing you know, you're writing things out mm -hmm. and underlining and highlighting, and you're just... I love this idea because I think that I think a lot of Christians um, one thing Bunyan says is they walk around discouraged, defeated, beaten down, feeling trodden on, feeling like, you know, just I can't get I'm never gonna get myself together. He's like, Oh, you're not praying. He's like, God has daily grace that he wants to pour out on you as an answer to your prayers. Mm -hmm. And if you are not praying, he will withhold the grace because he wants you to feel the sting of not having it because you're not communing with him. He's not going to just go, oh, I'll just keep giving you the grace even though you're not talking to me, interacting. I mean, it would be like if, you know, you, your wife Lisa and your wife Callie, my wife Katie, if we just, you know, wanted only the parts of marriage we think we enjoy, um, but we didn't want to put in any relational work, it's like, well... There's not a relationship here, and you're yeah. going to need to feel that, yes. husband. <laughs> yes. So yes. it's the same way that uh, the Lord is with us. And I think people's prayer lives, if they're broken, sometimes they don't know where to start. And they sit down and they try to pray. And Richard Baxter says, if you are in a place of depression, a place of where you're anxious, or you just feel like you stink at praying, he said, you'll be so discouraged that you'll just collapse in on yourself. You won't ever be able to actually praise God or really get to what you need to ask him for. You just keep going, I know I'm terrible. I know I'm distracted. I know. And he's like, so you need a cast. Yeah. And I think that this is a cast for a broken bone, what you're saying here, the word of God 
sparking your prayer life. Yeah, I know where I'm going. So tomorrow is the ninth. I know where I'm going. It's going to be a part of my morning time with God. I already know. And uh, again, it's just like anything. You keep reading the scriptures, it keeps reading you, and it starts Mm -hmm. coming more alive. So if you start doing it now, and think about five years from now reading that every month, you're going to have more revelation, if I can use that term, or understanding of some of the things in there that you would have never even thought were in there. Revelation's good. It's just God's revelation. You're going to have more of it. You're going to have more knowledge of his revelation. I, I'm going to do this. I'm start. I'm starting up tomorrow. I mean, because sometimes I, I, I use the Lord's prayer as my, my guide when I pray, but sometimes, you know, I struggle even after I, I start, I have a time of singing and I kind of walk through Isaiah six, uh, which is what we use on Sunday mornings is structures our service. We do it according to Isaiah's, um, worship that he has experience he has in Isaiah 6. I use that just every day. It's kind of like a daily liturgy. But even then, sometimes when it comes time to pray, I'm like, I just I can't get my eyes up off myself, you know? Mm-hmm. You start praying for other people and you just meander back to yourself. <laughs> you know, praise you, Lord. I love you. And I'm sorry, I'm just such a, you know? Like, <laughs> and you just can't get mm-hmm. off of yourself. And uh, so I think that this will be a wonderful little Again, it's way to all begin. prayer, every verse in there. That you some of that first eight or nine or ten you think it's not because some of it more like sounds like it's, but it's a prayer mm. and especially when you start praying it as a prayer I'm just saying it's also I gotta imagine it's a it's prayer would you also say Psalm one nineteen is law I I don't take it that way but. That doesn't mean it's not. I've just, my mind is, it's prayer, and my heart is just It's a, it's wide a open. prayerful expression of, a, of the love of God's law. Yeah. It, it, because it, the law it is loving. Right. Yes, and it tells yeah. you over and over, I love, I your, love law your law more than uh, the most precious it is, it is silver pieces, light. Yeah. more than the gold. So I love your law. And uh, you're just... Which I think, as you pointed out, we as New Testament Christians, we first read that and we're like, "How can you love the law?" Yeah. But when you understand, it's what it's, it's instruction. It's the, inst- it's the full word. instruction of the revelation of God. Yeah. You you reminded me of something Lloyd Jones said. I'm reading Lloyd Jones's commentary on Romans 13 because we'll be going through that uh, as a church body. I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, we're not going to be that far away. But uh, he's my other pastor, by the way. Do love some Lloyd Jones. We have, we have all of us discovered that it is not enough to tell the little child, now go and be a good boy. If you just leave it at that, then you will provoke disaster. You must tell him in detail what he must not do. You must let him know what a good boy is. And that, exa- that is exactly what God does with us in the law. It is not mechanical or legalistic. It is a manifestation of love. Love teaches the child. Love gives us the details of the law. We must never divorce these things. The whole and the parts are one in an organic, not mechanical sense. And I love that. It's like you don't give laws to your children. If, if you give laws to your children without love, mm-hmm. that's not going to go well for your relationship with them in the short or long Pharisees, term. Phariseeism. Right, absolutely. So um, That's beautiful. I Because, I, you know, there's a... 
there's always a new, I, I can't stand, I need to just get off of it, Twitter, uh, X, whatever X. it's called now. Formerly Twitter. The name X alone, because it makes me want to leave, but, because <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know how to talk about it anymore, that is not called Twitter, <laughs> the, the, what are these, these tweets, you don't retweet anymore, you repost. They're, they're X's. So, they're X's. There's a new controversy every day. Everybody's fighting about some. The Christians are on there fighting about something new every day, treating it like it's some sort of giant council, and everyone must stand up and defend every view they have with proof text, and it's just so ridiculous. But one of the things that goes around a lot on there is, and I'd be interested to hear you, you all's thoughts on it. Along the reason I asked that Psalm 119 question is, there's this guy that stirs it up. I think he asks these questions in general curiosity. He would just throw out a, a piece of scripture and say, "Law or gospel." Mm. And boy, is that long <laughs> or gospel? Law or gospel? That's so, insane. are we talking the reformed view of law and gospel, or the well? The, he's throwing it out all of Christian Twitter. View so, of law and gospel. So, I mean, all of Christian Twitter's my responding. Goodness. That's, so, the Beatitudes, though. This guy, I can't remember the guy's name, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, he's not. I, I enjoy following him on there. He does, he's not. A, he's not a bad brother, but. Um, He's, he says the Beatitudes is law. Thoughts. I know you weren't prepared to talk about this. I'm just springing on you. I'm not really prepared to talk about it, but I was throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. The, well, the, the Beatitudes, Beatitudes is law. I mean, yeah, not at all prepared to talk about it. I mean, there, there's an echo, isn't there, of the Proverbs in that blessed is this one. Proverbs and Psalms. I mean, yeah. the song, so we're just talking about 119. Oh, Which begins with, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. So it, I can, and then if, Psalm 1. If, you view, if your definition of law is anything that is commanded and required of you, then may, I'm, I'm just trying to understand. The, the, then you can look and say Jesus in the Beatitudes is, is presenting an ethic that is required of you. Um, and therefore that is... Law and gospel is we are going to differentiate as only the proclamation of what Jesus has done on your behalf. Is that where some where you would separate the two? Yeah, I mean, is I that why see. you would say so? So yeah. So again, the law is anything that is commanded. So you, here's one. Here's one. You're both much heard, better at at theological dissection than I am. So I'm enjoying here, this. Here's one. I've heard, um, and I I think I am not an authority on Lutheran views versus a, a other Protestant or Reformed. But I did. I think I, I read, did sleep at a Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did read something. They said that the call to repentance is law. In the proclamation of the good news of uh, of the cross is gospel. So even to even to to cut it down. So uh, Acts two, Peter preaches. Acts two, yeah, Acts two, Pentecost. Peter preaches. Um, what should, what what should we do, brothers? What and should we do? To be, and he, and says, he says, repent and be baptized. If you, depending on your, again, depending on how you're going to slice this, repentance is law. We could really, we could really go into the deep end uh, when we're talking about that. Receive, baptism, baptism is an act of the gospel. That's something that you receive. Now we could really get into the 
Because you're saying this is what Lutherans advocate. believe, to be clear. Is, yes, 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 yes. I'm just trying to understand, because I don't even know if I agree with saying that the Beatitudes is law. Right. I'm just trying to yeah. trying to dissect where this is kind of coming from. Well, I think it's a, I think the Beatitudes represent the sort of person who has, who the purpose, the law has, has done its purposeful work in. Like God has used the law to bring them to a place where they are, they are, they have a poverty of spirit, right? And so theirs is the kingdom of heaven because God loves to dwell in the hearts of those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. You mourn in this, you, you mourn, that we can talk about what the, what mourning looks like for the Christ follower in, in a lot of different ways, um, in terms of mourning sin or mourning the state of the world or whatever. But I mean, blessed are those who mourn the state of their own soul in, in, uh, as they've been confronted with the law of God, the schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. And you could go on down and say that this is going to be the state of a, of a man or a woman who has been confronted with the law of God and they have agreed with the law of God. And they have said, I want to walk in this and I can't. I'm, I'm a sinner and I'm unable to do this. Lord, help me. I, I, they, they are not haughty. They brought themselves low before the Lord. And maybe this is where the Lutherans would say, that's a work. <laughs> um, that's the work of repentance. But even in Psalm 119, um, even, even in, the, in the verses that would almost seem boastful, oh, I love your law, I keep your law, there's always the going back to, I delight in it because you have revealed it to me. So my take, which... So I'm, I mean, By the way, I, I, really, I like how Michael has his hard copy of the Bible, and he's like, all right, gentlemen, let's talk about this. And Jeff and I are scrambling for our devices going, I got a Bible on here, right? Yeah, yeah I'm mean, somewhere on here, and now I just, you know... Um, I can't do the electronic Bible, but it's all another conversation. Either, but I wasn't prepared. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Psalm 119 definitely has a lot to do with my view of the law of God, and you have words... Whether it's someone blessed are the, you know, and 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 someone nineteen, as you mentioned, when you start realizing that the that God's understanding the word blessed, what it means to be blessed, it's not materialism, right? It's not right. you're walking in a blissful eye, you know, uh, but what that actually means, and he's and so the law, I don't look at it as this, this. Uh, Rules. I don't look at the law because I do delight in it. I don't delight in it like I should. So even when I come across where I delight in the Lord, uh, oftentimes it's actually a time where I need to repent because I'm not delighting in it. Not because the law actually is a place of liberty. Mm. Uh, in fact, Psalm 119 will tell you that. Again, to go back there, uh, but the law is a place of liberty when I'm walking in the law, when I'm walking in the way of the Lord, first eight verses, and then the next day, if you're praying that, uh, if I'm walking, I am blessed. I'm blessed, again, understanding what that means and what Jesus meant, again, in the Beatitudes. So the law to me isn't like a bunch of commandments and with the finger and you got to do. I look as the, the law of God as a place of liberty and a place of, of rest and a place of walking with Christ 
I just don't see the law of God as hard. It's a hard, a hurting thing. Even Does, so, am, I, am I communicating? I that? think I think that it is piercing prior to conversion, in the sense that it it confronts you with your total inability to keep it. Yeah, and I can't. But, okay. but, but well, still, was... that's still the, the purpose is love. The purpose is to lead yes. you to the lover of your soul, Jesus right. Christ, God in the flesh, who came and showed us what it looks like to live in complete liberty, mm-hmm. to do what the first Adam couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I, I always love to use like the LeBron James things. Like LeBron James spends two, famously spends $2 million a year on his body. Okay? And... He doesn't eat certain things. Like I t- today, I ate some sour Skittles gummies. All right, while I was I'm watching, uh, uh, <laughs> I was watching uh, that uh, an Andy Stanley documentary on YouTube, and I was eating sour Skittles gummies. Um, so <laughs> garbage in all around. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily a positive documentary. It was just kind of explaining his where he came from and how we got to the place where he is. Uh, Unfortunately, so I'm eating these things. LeBron James isn't going to be ca- caught eating scout sour Skittles gummies. You know what I mean? Yeah. He probably won't even eat dried fruit because it has too much sugar. So he is his body. He is spending immense amounts of money and time. He's sleeping in a some weird hyperbaric chamber, all for the purpose of what? So he doesn't get hurt. He can play more basketball and he can last longer and all these things. And a lot of people look at his life and say it's so restrictive. Yeah. Look at this guy's life. Like, he can't eat sour Skittle gummies. You know, my son Everett would look at that and be like, oh, what a miserable life. He can't, he can't have a natural sugar. He can't have a Slurpee. But then if you put me on a basketball court, who I try to take care of myself these days, but nothing like what LeBron does, and I just tried to run up and down an NBA court. Forget about trying to actually get a shot off against these giant men. But, like, just running up and down a court. And then you watch LeBron run up and down a court who's living his life according to, you know, these laws he's put on his body, right? Mm -hmm. Who looks more free on that court? Mm -hmm. LeBron looks a lot more free than I do. I look like the restricted one because I've been living outside of those laws LeBron has, right? And that analogy will break down at some point, but God's law, if we could actually just live it out perfectly, we would be living the most free, the most enjoyable, the most righteous life possible the life he designed us for while those who choose to reject it their life they may think it they're free and they look you know this is freedom this is freedom what is that freedom you're miserable you're on so i always tell people i, I say god created us he created the earth he created all things physics mm-hmm. blah 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 so he knows how to how it runs because he created to run a certain area what m- people do is they say well i don't like how he says to live within what he created, I'm going to live it my law, I'm going to live it my way, and that's why they're not blessed, that's why there's not a peace or a joy or liberty, you know, but if we get inside, the law is really God saying, these are the instructions how to live within what I've created and how I've created you and created time, space, matter, whatever, you know, the spiritual. But you know, I think that for me, I've had to come back around to seeing love in the law because of Ray Comfort. I love Ray Comfort. I love Way of the Master, which is that evangelism technique where the law gets you to Christ and use mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments. But it's a very it's a very negative use of the law in mm-hmm. the sense is you're using it to, to point 
point at someone and say, guilty, right? right. You're, you, well, by your own admission, you're a lying, blaspheming, thieving adulterer. Right. So if you stand before God on Judgment Day, where do you deserve to be? And there is the aspect of God's law that does that. But once you know the Lord and he has given you a new heart, uh, I'll never forget my last, my goodbye meal at Old Powhatan, you did like a little fake talk show. Do you remember that? Oh, the Rick Good Guy Show? The Rick Good Guy Show, oh, yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. Gosh, I forgot all about that until this Rick, moment. The Rick Good Guy Show. And I remember... Hey, goodness. But I remember you said there, you were like, God's not just taking our old dead heart and making alterations. He is giving it a... Tra- it's a total transplant. Rick Good Guy said this. Uh, <laughs> you, hey, he did. As you were playing the character, you said this. You were interviewing somebody and you were just having a conversation like we are now and you said he's going to take that old dead heart out and he's going to put in the heart of flesh. And I use this this language that you said at the Rick Good Guy show has made its way into so many sermons. See for people... See for people will hear this. They've heard me preach now for almost 13 years. They're going to hear this and be like, oh yeah, yeah, he says it all the time. You can put in the heart of flesh, and the heart of flesh can, it's not stone, right? It can, it can feel, and it can, it can uh, know, and, and Henry Blackaby, experience God. But no, it can have a real relationship with God. Um, I'm, I'm playing all of Jeff's favorites here. <laughs> so, but no, a real, you, you can really know God, and your heart is alive yeah. to him. And uh, which changes how you look at God's law exactly. It's not this. Did, didn't you teach the Experiencing God course at Old Palatine no, back at? Are you I sure that not. wasn't you? I remember seeing it was books there. Around. Okay, for those that may hear it from me, I actually refused. Oh, wow! So we have a little bit of time left, so let's go there. Um, I, I don't have um. That was really, by the time I came to Christ, churches had, were starting to, they'd moved on to Purpose Driven. Oh, another I refuse. Um, <laughs> now, Purpose Driven, I refuse as well. I, I have big, big problems with Purpose Driven, uh, attractional, seeker-friendly, Purpose Driven Youth Ministry, all that sort of stuff. Big problems. Not to say that everyone, I mean, listen, it was the water people were swimming in. At the time, and a lot of churches were just doing what was on the book's shelf. It doesn't justify yeah. necessarily, but I don't want to... Pop Christian culture. Sure, I'm not, I, I just don't want to crucify everyone who ever did these studies. I, I want to be careful not to do that. But as a guy who, like Kenny's talked about a couple times, we were you know, watching Power Rangers when you were uh, getting into the Puritans... Um, we were learning the names of Jason, Kimberly, Billy, and you were you were we were learning the names of all the Thomases. <laughs> yeah, uh, from, from England. So I, I thought I may I was supposed to change my name to Thomas <laughs> or Jonathan. You know, you know, so I can. Yeah. So what? Because I I know that there's probably Seaford people listening to this who would have a fairly positive memory, maybe even of. Um, experiencing God, or at least in aspects of it, the idea of like a crisis of faith, uh, or like there's like concepts from that book that I think have really worked their way into people's vocabulary, and so it may be shocking for some to hear hear you say oh gosh, you have an issue. Do you I remember? You're, you're going to ask me what my issues were, and I the you know there. Come on, man. Twenty five years ago, what did you yeah, feel about? Yeah, well, because <laughs> I, I, I remember hearing you know, the the video or something. And in fact, Lisa and I, and we both turned and looked at each other and go, I cannot believe 
and, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was, it was one of those things that it was absurd and so unbiblical. And that was like the big, there were a lot of rocks we were already, you know, choking on. And this one, we just, it was like, stop. I don't know how people, and I can't remember what, I'm sorry, but I sure. can't remember what. Oh, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. And, and, and I'm sure there were parts of it in experience that people were getting out of and feeding on. Sure. But uh, there is so much more out there. Why are you eating fast food? Mm. When there is some nourishing meals out there that takes you beyond that and you simply just eat and it makes you alive. Um, so I'm sure some people got, so people probably uh, hate me, but no. <laughs> that's just not, that wasn't my thing. And I found, I did. There were some unbiblical, mm -hmm. unscriptural things being taught in that series. I just... Like I said, I, I erased those things from my my mind. I cleared that cash. Sure. Well, I think it's where you got to be discerning. Uh, just in general, we've talked about that a bit. That we can't just like you. I loved what you said about you can't just eat whatever's on the floor. And as you mature, like uh, I, we do need to wrap up. I'm seeing we're getting close to our time. To where my iPads, the memory is not going to let me. Uh, Upload because uh, I'm I'm limited. The technology limits my my verboseness, so it's good. But that I will close with this: that idea of crawling around on the floor, like just picking up whatever's there. You do that when you're a baby. You you don't know what people have to tell you. Oh yeah, you know, don't eat that, or you'll choke on that, or that'll make you sick. And then even as you get older, like there's things that I ate in my twenties that were fine. I didn't really know any better that the Tasty Cake Honey Bun, you know, from the 7-Eleven, it, it tasted great and actually gave me the energy to probably go play basketball and do things that I could, you know, but now, like, I, I, I realized as I got into my mid-30s, it's like, I'm 300 pounds, because that's how big I got. <laughs> I was like, I'm 300 pounds, and I'm eating Tasty Cakes all the time. And it's like, I might need to make a change here, because I'm unhappy with where I'm at. And so, I do want people to hear that you may have, you may have eaten some experience in God at some point or, or whatever. I mean, we could all pick up on, we could all think of books that we liked or whatever. Just because you loved it 20 years ago, you might go back now if you read it and go, actually, I'm not sure this is something I love so much. Yeah. Because you mature yeah. and your discern your discernment grows. And, um, and I, I just think that that is good. <laughs> it's good to mature and to start to realize, actually, I need to eat these other things so that my spiritual body is going to be in better shape. I've never read Experiencing God. I've never taught it. I've never gone through a class, so I don't hold an opinion on it, really. I have these little phrases I've heard people use from it, like crisis of faith and things like that, and I think it's been helpful for people to think through. I had no idea crisis stuff. of faith came from the Experiencing God book. I know that's it's a big part of it. It worked its way into Christian vernacular for years. Yeah. I, I, so rule of faith for me and is if it's a part of the pop Christian culture, I just automatically tag it and say, stay away from it. Mm -hmm. hmm. Do you really? do that with movies too? Do I do that with what? Movies. For, I, I yeah, yeah. I, I'm very, yeah. So yeah. you haven't seen the newest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? No, I'm waiting for that to come out. <laughs> no, I'm more... 
Yeah, gosh, I don't want to get into, we don't have the time to get into movies, but no, I was just thinking about, um, there are some, that I, I have typically held your view on Christian art, like with Christian art, I when everybody loves something, I'm like, ooh, let's see what this is. But lately, I will say that there's some Christian films that have been coming out. It's it's decent art. It is pretty Good. well done. I, I His Good. Only Son is one that I... Uh, you have told me, and I do want to watch that. I just haven't gotten yeah, it. Yeah. And I do want to... Because you said it was that good. I think we're making some strides in that area. And what I'm hoping also is... Uh, it's encouraging to, to see a guy like Vody Bauckham end up on some mainstream TV unabashedly talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, biblical manhood, and things like that. There is some acceptance in wider evangelical culture and even just kind of like, it's, you know, politically conservative culture in some ways of some pretty good biblical, solid voices. Um, so I am encouraged on, in some ways, but... And other in other ways, it's like when Kanye said he was a Christian and everybody got excited. It's like, guys, calm down. You, you they invited him to speak at some youth retreat in Tennessee. I'm like, what are we doing? The guy made one album, you know, uh, and it's just how fast we are to go. Oh yeah, yeah that, that's it. That's Christian. Let's all let's all chase it. Let's all nail that's our right. colors Christian to the mask. Culture is that's the way they are. So I just stay away from it. Yeah, I wait. I wait and let it season. See if it seasons is still around. Okay, right. Or if it sours. Well, interestingly enough, I, I, you know, we talked about experiencing God. I don't know that it's really being used anymore. I don't know that it 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 has much of a foothold anymore. And it's like, well, why is that when, when we talk about some of these other works that have been able to stand Mm -hmm. the test of time? You know, we talk about Charles Spurgeon and the man was in a lot of ways who he was because he was drinking from the same Puritans we've been talking about tonight who have stood the test of time. And Martin Lloyd-Jones, yep. who who lived up into the early 1980s and is considered the last Puritan. Mm. And he, again, drank from that. And it, and he, of course, you read his stuff. It's easy read. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good read. I he, did have to read that in seminary. Um... um I always get the title, Preachers and Preaching, Preaching yeah. and Preachers. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Your yeah. pastor. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Except for when he talks about the robe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, see, we're getting off. And he's got <laughs> we're a, I agree. Yeah. It's like that. Okay. That's a, that's that's where we talked about it. That's, Some things yeah. you don't just... You don't have to agree with, with everything. everything. Yeah. Right. yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up here. It's been a great two-week conversation uh, that we've had. And uh, we'll be back another episode next week. But until then, consider these questions. How is your soul doing? How are you doing? How is God's grace at work in your life? And how would you like to see his grace at work in your life? If you consider these questions and you would like to talk to a pastor, you can reach out to us at connect at seafordbaptist.com. And we would love to speak with you. If you're out of the area, we'll put you in touch with a pastor in your area uh, if we can find one. Uh, which probably we can. So anyways, uh, until next time, keep living that pilgrim life. Oh, hey, since it's the end, Jeff and Kenny, you should say bye. Oh, goodbye. All right, thanks (laughs) Thanks for being on. See everybody later.